The truth is most people get burnt by real estate. There's some crazy statistics that a lot of investors don't get past six years. They get burnt. Why? Because when you sign up to real estate, you sign up to the problem of time. You sign up to the problem of structures. You sign up to the problem of sticking to a plan, a roadmap. And I think for a lot of people, they don't know their roadmap. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, another code cracker. We're going to dig into the dumbbell investment system. Yes, we're going to invest like Harry Triggerboff. Today, we're going to find out your purpose when it comes to property investment. Yes, too many people travel the journey of investment without knowing what their actual purpose is being a property investor. When I say that, I say that because so many property investors are just floating along, hoping it works out. Hope is not a strategy, my friends. Welcome to the show. If it's your first time tuning in, few rules with the show, play it in double speed, get your life back. And of course, all the episodes of the Urban Property Investor are lessons in one way, shape or form. Today, of course, is a lesson. I think there's a few lessons in society. The biggest lesson I've learned is I think the pandemic is on the other side. We're on the other side of this thing. The reality is when you can go to Chemist Warehouse and get injected, you know things are looking up. The fact you can go to Chemist Warehouse today, grab some Pfizer and a 25-year-old bottle of cologne, some Brute 33, you know the world is back together once again. Hey, we're going to talk dumbbell investing. We're going to go into the property trifecta. We're going to go into the 4X growth plan. We're going to create a bit of a doctrine today. Here's the real truth. As we know, real estate, there's a lot of hot air and sunshine. There is a lot of bullshit when it comes to real estate. And I think too many people mess up becoming wealthy out of real estate because they just do not create a roadmap. They do not create a plan. They invest using hot air. They invest using uh, clickbait. They buy a magazine and they invest comprehending there is some sort of fad happening. I think uh, real estate is great when you lay a proper foundation. I'm not such a fan of real estate when it comes to fad buying. The truth is most people get burnt by real estate. There's some crazy statistics that a lot of investors don't get past six years. They get burnt. Why? Because when you sign up to real estate, you sign up to the problem of time, you sign up to the problem of structures, you sign up to the problem of sticking to a plan, a roadmap. And I think for a lot of people, they don't know their roadmap. They think they know their roadmap, but they don't. Because too often what happens to me is I speak to people, I go, tell me about your assets. Oh, I bought this asset, but it doesn't have enough cash flow. Okay, so what did you buy it for? Uh, I bought it for growth, but actually I want cash flow. Or you meet, you meet other people who are like, well, um, I've got this asset. It you know pays me $2,000 a year to own it. I can take my wife to fish and chips once a week from the 2000 bucks I get a year from owning this crummy thing, but it has never grown. 
Also meet a lot of people who have a perfectly good property, could have paid it off in 10 to 12 years, but uh, haven't paid a nickel off it and uh, probably never will. So assets and strategy are two conversations. You can buy an asset and have no strategy, you're not going to get a result. You can have a strategy, you can read all the books in the world on property investment and then have no assets and not have a result. Here's what we need. We need good assets. They need to mirror the right strategy and you get results. Again, assets are just one part of the puzzle and there are assets that people have that are perfectly good. They just don't know how to ride the asset correctly. And I'm, I'm a big believer in the English language. People came up with phrases for a reason. Horses for courses is a phrase that people came up because it makes complete sense. And I often see people analyzing their portfolio, not understanding really what the asset they have is is more designed to do. Uh, people have positive cash flow properties in their portfolio right now. They're creating income for people. But again, people don't understand. They're like, where's the growth? But you bought a positive cash flow property. If you just had a roadmap, a plan, a doctrine, I think you're going to end up where you want to go, right? And I teach some plans. I teach the Forex growth plan. You guys know it. Buy well, good location, great marketplace and behaviors which are going to influence a financial outcome on the asset. The five cities plan. All that is, is five properties in five different locations uh, that allow you to create long-term wealth. Today, I want to introduce you to some short-term wealth strategies. I'm going to use Harry Triggerboff's own doctrine. I follow it. I'm a big fan of Harry. I want to invest like Harry. I'm investing like Harry. I think you should invest like Harry. Because once you create a financial roadmap, it starts to make a lot of sense. Think about what's going to happen to you on your journey of long-term wealth creation. You're going to have policy changes to deal with, interest rate changes, no doubt, wage growth challenges. You're going to have potentially some of your own personal pressures come into your holding phase of creating wealth. You're going to be challenged by friends, family, people are going to say you're crazy. Uh, you're going to get all sorts of things thrown at you. And unless you come back to a doctrine, I'm doing this. Quite often, I think too many people are just pissing in the wind with real estate. They are. They are just throwing a dart at the dartboard and hoping the fad works out without laying the foundation for financial success. As we know, financial success is a formula. It's just a mathematical formula. Know what you are going for. If you do not know what you're going for, you're going to be a gopnik in retirement. It's as simple as that. And I don't know what being a gopnik in retirement actually looks like. I don't know. Do you, do you start... Do you start, I don't know, stealing bottles of booze from the liquor shop? No one wants to be a gopnik in retirement. We need to work out financially what it means. And I've discussed this before. There's tiers of what financial success looks like for people. There is no right or wrong. I'd like to help people get to a sophisticated investor place for all financial freedom. Financial freedom 
just living off the uh, harvest of four or five really good assets that are part of a long-term investment vehicle. Remember, you can be one of uh, six different retirees. You can be a hippie retiree. You can be a glider retiree, which is just gliding along, having a part-time job. You can erode everything. Uh, you can be an eroder in retiree. You can be a lean in retiree, be like really frugal, uh, not, you know, worry about the uh, the the dinner, um, how to split the bill. Or you can be a freedom retiree, freedom retiree living on passive income. They have jumped ahead of everyone and mathematically, that's over $100,000 passive income. You can be a professional retiree, a professional investor. Uh, you can end up with money, uh, which makes more money. And again, I think I said this in a recent podcast, you know, the rich are getting richer. And that's just because it's easier to make an extra million dollars when you already have a few million dollars. You know, to get a uh, million dollars from say $2 million worth of assets to $3 million. You don't need a hundred percent return on that. You only need 50%. As you own more assets, the accumulation effect ultimately creates more wealth. And again, creating wealth is just a doctrine. Let's just be clear about that. If you're listening and you do not have a plan, you do not have a roadmap, that is something you've got to question. You go, well, yeah, I'm feeling my way through this thing called property. Are you actually making the most of every single day as a property investor? That is my challenge to you. I think most people need a retirement doctrine and a strategy doctrine. All that is doctrine. If you don't know what that is in English, it's just a roadmap. We need a roadmap because as an investor, we need to challenge our thinking that Every single day, we've got to work this thing called property investing. Now, obviously, when it comes to property investing, there's a few elements. You can be a hands-on property investor. You can be have a job and then be hands-on, or you can be a project manager or armchair investor. I think for a property investor, at some stage through your journey, you've got to be basically all of them. You've got to get hands-on every now and then um, and go and see your properties and work them harder. You've got to balance a job and doing some hands-on stuff. And of course, you can take a step back and do some armchair investing. Now, I want you to consider just when you're listening to me that you are just leveraging me, other people's knowledge. This is just basically my knowledge. I'm sharing it with you. It's up to you as your own investment manager to either take what I'm saying and apply it or throw what I'm saying into the bin or blend what I'm saying, perhaps with some other information you've been able to acquire from people inside the real estate sector. If you're listening to me right now, just consider me someone who ultimately is working for you, just briefing you on what is possible in the real estate marketplace. Because do not wake up a angry, strange cat woman 20 years from now because you did not create a property strategy doctrine. You did not know your plan. And again, 
through the last, I guess, year and a half of me doing podcasts, I have basically delivered one component of the plan. And the reason I've done one is I don't want to blow people's minds. But today, we're going to go into more sections of real estate investment. Yes, we're going to dig deeper inside the plan. Now, I am going to quote four plans today, which we're going to mush together. Yes, we're doing the mush. Uh, The mushy pea plan. Let's call it the mushy pea plan. Um, We got the Forex growth plan. We got the five properties plan. Uh, That is our long-term plan. On the short-term perspective, we've got dumbbell investing and the property trifecta. Okay. That's, that's basically the plan. And we're going to, we're going to mix them together. Now, if you've got a piece of paper or, or you can visualize, all right, take a deep breath, do the visual experience. I want you to visualize or draw a dumbbell, like a weight, you know, like at the gym, um, if people are, you know, doing their guns or whatever. They've got the long dumbbell, they've got the bar, and they've got some weights either side of the bar. Today, we're going to explore building both a long-term plan that matches a short-term plan, and we're going to win, uh, we're going to link the two together because this is how people make money in real estate quite regularly. Uh, you, a lot of people will set up a long-term plan, but never do a short-term plan. A lot of people will try to master short-term economics in real estate, but never financially set themselves up for later in life. And I've done a bucket load of strategies, a lot of them short-term, a lot of them long-term. And I just think the best doctrine after 30 years of doing this is to blend the two. I've done buy and hold, positive cash flow, positive gearing, negative gearing. I've been a renovator. I've done redesign. I've done rejuvenation, strata subdivision. I've done subdivisions, land subdivisions. I've done uh, multi-income stream assets, dual income, duplexes, blocks of flats. I've done joint ventures, developments. I've bought commercial assets. I've built for profit. I've been a land banker. I've done pre-construction off the plan, vendor financed. I've discounted the shit out of real estate over the years, particularly on the counter cycle. Done property options, rent entrepreneur being an airbnb which I still am today, which I'll talk about soon. And I've done things like rent to buy and flipping assets. I've been a trader. And as you can see, from that, there's something like 22 strategies there. Some are short-term. Being a flipper is short-term. Being uh, Doing subdivisions, short-term. Being a buy and holder, long-term. Uh, you know, doing things like land banking, maybe a bit more long-term. Entre- rent entrepreneur. Uh, doing Airbnb, a little bit more active investment. I'm an active player in that space. And again, I think this is where we get to find your zone of genius. And I've just learned over the years to dumb down the zone of genius so you don't spin your wheels because I think at least seven years of my economic life as a property investor, I just worked on short-term strategies, trying to make an extra 50, trying to make an extra 100, And uh, the reality is I probably wasted 
a good seven years of my economic life not creating long-term wealth. And when I look at the results of mucking around in the short-term section, I probably cost myself at least, I think, $2 million in uh, the way tailwind growth works in real estate. If I just didn't muck around, I would be richer than what I am um, presently at the moment from real estate. So there's a lot of lessons here because there is a lot of strategies. And I think the perfect playbook is to go long and to go short. Remember that visualization of the bar, uh, what that is, is, or if you've drawn it, we want to put on the long-term side of things and short-term side of things, wealth creation, right? So when we're creating a doctrine, I think it's ultimately important. You need to know what you want from financial outcomes. Uh, If you want something simple, if you want to be a hippie, retiree, investor, that's completely different to someone that ultimately wants a bucket load of money later in their life or potentially wants to speed up their retirement. So obviously we can live in a need state, we need money, we can live in a want state, uh, I want a few things, or we can live where really money is not a problem. And every time your car breaks down, you're like, what? you know, I don't know how much it costs, who cares how much it costs? That's kind of the dream state, like you do not even fear about money. And, uh, you know, I think to get to a dream state, It's very, very possible from long-term investing. What I'm going to show you or teach you today is you can bunny hop along the way making chunks of cash whilst being a long-term investor. You use both short and long-term investment strategies. Next part of a doctrine, I think, is understanding what you're going through. Are you acquiring assets? Are you consolidating assets? Or are you transitioning out of assets into income? And again, I've met a lot of people who, you know, are basically, you know, in their 50s acquiring their first asset and they need to go straight to consolidation. They can't necessarily acquire bucket load much more because of time. They've, they've left themselves a limited amount of time. And as such, the assets they choose need to mirror their life stage. They can't just leverage that the market's going to grow and the assets are going to quadruple in value, that may well happen. But if they're consolidating, maybe they're better off, you know, doing some debt reduction things and going straight to consolidation. But the longer you've got, the more you can acquire. And that is really a lesson in life and why when you interview 60-year-olds and you say, what would you tell your younger self? What would the lesson be? A lot of people will say, uh, you know, start earlier, invest sooner, uh, have less fear, don't care so much about what other people think. And of course, this is part of building your doctrine, knowing where you are. I think, you know, when when it comes to any sort of investment, when you build a roadmap, you're really building it around two vehicles, two engines, income and uh, equity or income and deposits. Buying power is your deposits. Income is how much you can borrow. That's really all it comes down to. And here's the biggest secret I can tell you about building a financial roadmap. 
have a job, have a job. Uh, property investors that go full-time give up their day job and uh, though they're hands-on with things like trying to do a renovation and stuff, all of a sudden they do not have an income. All of a sudden they're self-declaring income, much harder to financially moment. And I see this all the time, particularly people uh, who fall in love with real estate. They have to leave almost like the jobs market and as such their overall wealth position starts to slow down because it would just be simpler asking for a pay rise and going and buying more properties. So deposits equals buying power, income equals servicing. They are some of the levers we can pull when it comes to this idea of investing. Obviously, the biggest principle around creating a roadmap is we need to understand leverage. Leverage allows us to create wealth. And I always put it like this. I was analyzing a property I bought as part of the Forex growth plan. I bought it back in 2007. Uh, I paid $415,000 for that asset. I created a 10% deposit. So it was like $41,500. Stamp duty, mortgage insurance, I don't know, it's in it for 70,000 bucks. Today, the damn thing's worth $1.1 million, right? $1.1 million. I took, you know how like if you've ever seen TikTok and old mate's on there and he's going, if you bought $1,000 worth of Dogecoin in 2011, you would have $1.7 million today. Uh, it's the same concept. Back in 2007, I took $70,000 and turned it into $1.1 million worth of real estate. Same concept, absolute same formula, but for whatever reason, it looks more cool talking about, I don't know, uh, Ethereum than it does about uh, a townhouse in Middle Ring, Sydney, right? Maybe I'll get on TikTok and do it. You know, this one... uh, but that's the power of leverage, right? That's the power of leverage. Income, we we obviously want income from property investments and we use leverage to control debt, leverage to control debt and debt eventually gets extinguished off the back of leverage. That creates income. The risk of real estate is time, particularly uh, the way certainly time unfolds when it comes to just how long this stuff takes. And of course, when it comes to growth and the idea of what that looks like, I teach a growth plan, 4X growth plan. But when it comes to leverage, I think we sometimes just think of leverage as money, other people's money. Well, of course, the bank is the primary source of money. And we need to exhaust as much as we can from the bank. We need to borrow everything we possibly can and more if possible. And I think some of the best property investors will tackle both banks, non-banks, full doc and low doc loans because they're good money managers. They use other people's money. But they also use other people's money by often using the tenant's money and not forking out out of their back pocket. Other leverages, other people's time. This is where, you know, you can use 
delayed settlements. You can use pre-construction real estate to just give yourself time to save more and release bigger deposits. They are really other people's time and other people's money, our long-term strategy point of view. Short-term, we want other people's knowledge and we want other people's relationships. That is how we play this game of real estate. Remember the dumbbell, one side of the dumbbell, the other side of the dumbbell, both have weights. If one side is weighted more than the other, the bar will obviously flip. We don't want the bar flipping. We want to make a lot of money over the short term to end up with long-term wealth. That is the principle I want to talk to you about today. You can't have any limiting beliefs when it comes to the idea of wealth. And I think the biggest limiting belief that people have is, is honestly, it's just time that it takes to end up financially free. And, you know, Kiyosaki says that I've said this one before, we're all born with a rich mindset, a middle-class mindset, and a broke mindset. The reality is most of us, you know, behave like we're broke even when we live in one of the richest countries in the world. We behave like we're middle class. Oh, you know, I can only buy that amount of assets because, you know, what if what if I lose my job tomorrow? Wouldn't it be better to set up a doctrine or a map where really if you work or not, it doesn't really matter what the asset's going to do? And this is the point of understanding how to play the game of cash flow from real estate. I think you need to pick a system. And hey, look, I, uh, again, have done so many different deals over the years. I've kind of worked myself out. I know who I am. I know my purpose. I know what I'm good at at real estate. I know how to identify opportunity. Luck doesn't come to me. I create my own luck when it comes to real estate. And that's just because I've been doing it quite a long time. But I've also modeled the best in the business, Harry Triggerboff. Harry is really Australia's richest person. I don't know how he's not richer than Gina Reinhart. The fact that iron ore goes up or down, uh, you know, I don't know. But Harry's got so many properties. And his model is pretty interesting, right? And I literally model his model. His model, if you want to invest like Harry Triggerboff, he's worth $15 billion. He's the third richest Australian today and buffers around. Sometimes, If iron ore uh, continues to plummet, he'll probably be the richest dude in Australia again. He has made all his wealth out of real estate and he does it in three different spaces, three different spaces. And I'll explain to you the spaces he does it in by explaining cash flow. There's three forms of cash flow you can consider in real estate. Effort income, asset income, and business income. Effort income, asset income, and business income. Effort income is just the idea that today you've got to go to work to borrow money. Uh, however, the best way to understand effort income is you can exchange your time for money, but you can also get to keep all that money by playing the tax system. Australia rewards property investors by creating tax deductions. We all go to work on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Most people are paying tax 
all week. The reality is you can get your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday back by buying investment real estate. That is effort income. Get the most out of the effort you put in going to work. And this is where most people financially fail. Asset income is just that. The reality is we want a long-term asset income profile and a short-term asset income profile. I'll teach you the difference. We're going to use dumbbell investing, which is just really the same concept as what Harry Triggerboff uses. And of course, where uh, the third form of income is active income, running a business. And when we look at Harry Triggerboff, the one business he runs quite successfully is his hotel business, Meriton Service Departments. I mirror my portfolio exactly the same way. I've got my rental properties, uh, around 30% of Harry's portfolio is growth rental properties, his Forex growth plan. Then he's got 33% of his portfolio as Meriton Apartments, cash flow properties. Then he's got around 25% of his portfolio doing developments. Both the developments and the cash flow working the business more short term. And he's got his long term game, which is holding uh, basically more blue chip uh, rental properties or capital growth properties, if you like, right? So invest like Harry. Because this is the property trifecta. We want cash flow properties, we want capital growth properties, and we want to be paid along the way for manufacturing capital growth. And we're going to do that through dumbbell investing, through the doctrine, which I'm going to explain to you. Remember, this is a trifecta. It's just a trifecta. Growth, cash flow, equity arbitrage the property trifecta. How to understand it, if you like, is two-thirds is actually short-term, one-third long-term. Two-thirds of the uh, trifecta, short-term, one-third long-term. However, before we do the short-term, which for most people, when they do do the short-term without building a backbone of long-term wealth, they never get long-term wealth. The amount of people I've seen going, I want to be a property developer before they own one property blows my mind. And again, there's nothing wrong with ambition. And again, today I'm just here to tell you my thoughts on real estate. You do not have to agree with them. I'm just briefing you, man. Like you're the investor, you make the decisions. If you like what I've got to say, use some of it. If you don't, chuck it in the bin. You're the investor. I'm just simply here to share information. Now, the reality is the amount of people who get caught up with gratification of wealth blows my mind. And, you know, let's face it, that's the the exciting part of crypto, right? Crypto's gratification asset. Like, you know, you do not see so many people talking about crypto long-term. They're talking about, you know, the next bull run, the next bear market, uh, then you know, um, uh, you know, betting against crypto, that kind of thing, because short term is sexier than long term. But here is the truth: set up your long term game, because the only thing that will take care of you when you don't have a job is long term investments, the forex growth plan, the five cities plan, that will make you money when you do not have a job. 
That is the most powerful part of this process. And again, leverage is key. Leverage the shit out of your life. Like leverage it, leverage it. Borrow as much as you possibly can. Obviously, inverted commas, be responsible, but absolutely understand that over time, money transforms over time. Uh, and it's going to cost more to live into the future. So time is important. Now, the Forex growth plan is a great plan. You buy well, you choose a good location, you choose a good marketplace in the right time of the cycle. And of course, you end up uh, choosing something that has really good behavioral logic. But how long is long-term investing? This is the thing that most people don't understand. If I spoke to you and I said, um, you know, you're prepared to do real estate for the long term, that means nothing because there is no year to quantify what I'm saying. You'll say, oh yeah, long term, I'll do it. That's what, seven years? Nah, mate, long term is 21 plus years. 21 plus years. Now, here's the way to explain where you can get to. Trader, 12 to 24 months, short term. I'm going to show you as part of the dumbbell strategy, how to be a trader over the short term. We're going to balance the short term with the long term. We're going to create wealth out of the short term to get to the long term point of view. Speculator, one to six years. This is where people who don't really have a doctrine or a plan or a roadmap, they waffle about in the real estate market, piss in the wind. Then uh, something comes along that spooks them like, you know, the federal election and next minute they're out of the game. Short term, seven to 12 years. Medium term, 13 to 20 years. I've said this before. Why? Because property cycles are anywhere between 13 and 18 years. Long term, you're going into your second cycle. So 21 plus years, we're going to talk long-term investing, right? Long-term investing. So the idea around the Forex growth plan is we want long-term investments because again, they will take care of us into our retirement. They will take care of us when we don't have a job. And obviously, depending on your strategy, whether you're using debt reduction and buying well and never selling, you can end up with five, six properties in retirement. Or if you're using leverage and you need to pay off debt of two or three of the assets, you obviously can keep two or three debt-free by using the other two or three to pay off those ones using leverage, using growth. We're using growth to get where we need to go. And again, look, the reality is just think of it using rule 72. I've mentioned this before. Rule 72 is just a simple rule, right? You uh, take the average capital growth rate, uh, you divide it by 72. That'll give you basically the amount of years before the asset doubles. I like using 5% just because it's a simple number. It's higher than inflation and it's more in line with where property truly grows. And I often see the results of real estate off the back of rule 72. So I'm going to give you a deal I brokered back in 2009, just after the GFC. It uh, is a deal in Roselands. Roselands is a middle ring neighborhood of Sydney near the airport. It's not a great suburb. It's not the worst suburb but it is strategically located to something quite interesting, being the second biggest employer in Sydney, being the airport and logistics hub. So it makes a lot of economic sense. When I brokered the deal back in 2009, uh, the asset was worth 
$548,000. However, it was renting for around $600 a week. So what does that mean? The asset or the rent was paying for the asset. And as such, the investor did not need to dip into their back pocket all that much to fund the asset. In other words, we're using the tenant's money to create a long-term growth strategy. This is the first part of the Forex growth plan, right? We're buying well. We're buying well. And again, uh, that was 2009. It's 2021, right? So by my maths, that's 12 years. We are now in the final year of a short-term property strategy. For easy maths, the property now is worth uh, $948,000. Remember, we bought it for $548,000. Now it's worth $948,000. Basically, it has risen by uh, $400,000. Using Rule 72, 5%, we can see it's working in line with the prediction of growth. Is Sydney a good market? Yes. Is Middle Ring Sydney a good market? Yes. Is the yield uh, now, 10, uh, 12 years later, gone up? Yes. All of a sudden, it's a 7% return uh, on an asset, which is, uh, you know, $548,000 as a purchase price. So we can see we haven't even gone into medium growth yet. It hasn't even been a full cycle. And this asset is up $400,000 over uh, a 12-year period. Now, for a lot of gratification people, they'll be like, oh man, I want more money faster. I want more money faster. And again, this is the sport we're playing because it's not even long-term. It's still got... Um, nine more years before it becomes a long-term investment. It's about to go through its middle phase of medium term. And eventually, once it passes 21 plus years, it'll be a long-term investment. But the point is, it was bought well, good location, good city, Sydney. And uh, behaviorally, you know, the asset was built around this really cool park. So it's got like really good green space functions to it. So it's going to continue to grow. I would say it's actually even worth more now. I need to go back and check. I last checked about six months ago and um, the data I'm reading is now six months old. And obviously the market's moved a bit since then. So maybe, uh, yeah, I can uh, take another look, but it's basically performing, right? Now, again, um, that for a lot of people is not sexy, but I'm going to show you sexy, all right? I'm going to show you the sexy part. And again, I think a lot of uh, investors miss the subtleties of long-term wealth. They do. And uh, again, for me, I teach long-term wealth first because I think it's so important to lay the foundation of taking your effort income and creating an uh, asset income or passive income. And then circling back to active income. So there's three stages, effort, the only thing you can do with your money is, from your job is borrow more money and play the tax system, F effort income. Passive income, you buy long-term investments, you use leverage to control debt, and once you create equity, you can create active income. And that's where the principle of short-term investments comes into play. Now, 
Again, hopefully I'm not losing you here. Remember the dumbbell. We've just done long-term. We haven't even got to short-term yet. We've done long-term. We know the Forex growth plan, five cities plan. That is our long-term investment strategy. Now, we're going over the other side of the bar to short-term. We're going to take some equity out of our long-term properties. We can no longer leverage because we bought five properties. Uh, Leverage is dead. The bank hates us because we're highly, highly indebted to them. But they will lend us some equity, but they won't lend us leverage. So they'll let us take some money out of the bank Uh, to buy more investments as long as they're unleveraged products. In other words, we can borrow $100,000, but we can't borrow $100,000 and then take on more debt of, say, $500,000 to buy another asset. This is where we end our long-term strategy and we go into, uh, basically, into a more active income place. So, obviously, there's two parts to Harry Triggerboff's uh, portfolio, which we haven't got to. Remember, Harry's got about 30% um, uh, growth properties. He's got 33% cash flow properties, and he's got about 25% in basically um, development. And then he's got sort of another 10% in weird shit like, I don't know, uh, you know, hospitals and aged care and stuff like that. So we won't get into the weird shit. We're going to talk about the three which work, the trifecta. We're going to invest like Harry, right? This is his doctrine. I'm just following it because it works, right? I've been using it for a long time now and it works. So the first thing I think we need to understand, and I will just park this one for the purpose of today's conversation, is business income. The one business income which I love from Harry is his uh, Meriton Apartments, right? He he basically Airbnbs like thousands of apartments and he rents them out furnished and he gets a huge cash flow, huge cash flow. So for me, in my portfolio, when I built built my long-term buy and hold portfolio – 33% of my long-term buy and hold portfolio is actually designed for contemporary mixed use. I can rent it short-term or I can rent it long-term. I can rent it on Airbnb or I can pay a property manager to get me a two-year lease, right? And the purpose of choosing those assets is to invest like Harry to be an active income participator. Obviously, when you're renting properties through Airbnb, there is a little bit more active work involved. And again, I'm in the business of being a rent entrepreneur in that example. And again, it is very short term in the context of cash flow. It boosts my cash flow, doubles my cash flow. And obviously, uh, from a short term point of view, that is the other side of the dumbbell, short-term investing. So instead of renting a property, um, you know, for $400 a week, I'm getting $700 a week. I'm clearing an extra $300 more than I should, and that is creating a short-term wealth effect for me, more cash flow, more opportunity for me to build larger amounts of wealth. The other side of Harry Triggerboff's plan 
is the idea of chunks of wealth and doing developments. And again, for me, having done things like renovation and done things like, um, you know, call options and I've done so many different strategies. What I've found over the years that works best is just keeping it simple, buying a small development, adding some value, finding the highest and best use of it and flicking it off. Trading, right? Trading. And again, I do this as an armchair investor. I team up with other investors. We joint venture together. We all chuck in a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars of what we refer to as lazy equity. It's doing nothing in the bank, and we work it. Now, think about this, right? I want you to put on one side of your dumbbell long-term investments. I want you to put, uh, let's just put $2 million. We want $2 million worth of long-term investments. On the right-hand side, we're going to write long-term and we're going to put $2 million worth of investments. Why $2 million? Because once you crack the code of $2 million, it's easy to, uh, to get to $3 million. Why? Because you don't need 100% return on your money. You just need 50% return on your money to make a million dollars. So two millions, and I've mentioned this, I think in one of my past podcasts, you know, that is where you get to the clear air, right? That is where you start building real faster long-term wealth. So on one side, we want long-term, we want at least $2 million worth of uh, assets that will eventually produce income, but also create capital growth, long-term investing. On the other side, though, we can put things like uh, short-stay cash flow and we can put equity arbitrage. All that fundamentally is, is again, using the property trifecta, is we're going to take, let's just use easy mass, $100,000 of lazy equity, which is in our buy and hold long-term portfolio, which we can buy from the bank at 3%, Instead of uh, going and buying another property which the bank says no to, we've got a choice. With that money, we can do something with. We find income. We take $100,000, we go into the ASX 200. ASX 200 with a dividend, probably we're going to get 8% return. So we're buying money at three and we're uh, getting eight, so we're we're up five, right? That is the principle of short-term investing. And yes, short-term investing could include the stock market. However, I know property, I'm a property guy, so what I do is I go and find a small development, team up with some other people. We uh, basically find a property, create a higher and better use, and families buy those assets off us. So we take... $100,000, which we borrow at 3% from the bank. And within 12 to 18 months, we've turned that into 15%. So we're up 12%. So what does that ultimately mean? Remember, we got our long-term strategy. We've got our short-term strategy. Obviously, the more money you can put into the short-term strategy, the more impressive the results are. And as such, it's uh, very common to make an extra 50, an extra $60,000 per annum leapfrogging your way to long-term wealth. So let's go back to long-term wealth. Remember the number? 21 years plus. 21 years plus. So we put our long-term assets, 21 years plus, 
on the left-hand side, we've got our short-term assets and we just want to draw a squiggly line in our mind every single year. What if every single year you were paid anywhere, depending on what you invest, from ten to fifty to sixty thousand dollars per annum to get to long-term financial freedom? What if that is the Harry Triggerboff model? By the way, he does thirty-three percent of his assets as short stay. He does twenty-five percent of his assets as equity creation through development, and he does thirty percent of his assets as long-term buy and hold blue chip assets. The point of today's conversation is to introduce you to creating a doctrine. If you do not know your doctrine, that's cool. You can borrow mine. You can borrow Harry's. You can chuck mine in the bin if you think it sucks. If you're like, that's the worst plan anyone has ever presented to me. I'm cool with that because you do not need to listen to me. But your job is to invest for you. My job, simply to share information. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed the show today. I'll catch you on the next time we catch up for The Urban Property Investor. Thanks for tuning in to The Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of The Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.